You are listening to The Catholic Wire. Welcome to The Spiritual Life. This is your host, Father Carlos Cepeda, and you're listening to The Catholic Wire. This is the third episode, and in this episode we're going to discuss what are the basic practices of the spiritual life. If you want to profit, even if you want to persevere in it, what are those things that you need to practice all the time? As I was saying in the last episode, in your physical life, if you want to be healthy, there are certain practices that you need to keep doing every time, all the time, no matter how how proficient you are, no matter how much of a beginner you are, you always have to do the same practices in a different degree. The same thing happens in the spiritual life. We also have to keep certain practices. Now, in the last episode, we have discussed some of the dispositions that we need to have. First, you know, what are the general dispositions that we need? In this episode, we're going to be a little bit more specific and we're going to discuss, as a recipe, so to speak, what are those things that should be there if you want to profit in the spiritual life. I will mention something that is important. Um, just as in a recipe, you can't have one ingredient missing. I mean, the thing might be still be edible, but you won't get the exact same thing, thing that you're supposed to get. In the spiritual life, if you're missing one of these practices, usually... Uh, you will actually be suffering. You will be lacking all the benefits that you would get from all the other ones. It's almost like you have a boat, and in this boat you have... Uh, this is an example I use very often. Imagine that in a boat you are missing one board from the bottom. Well, even if all the boards are in their place, from that one board you will come to wreck. And something like that happens here. Now, I had given the example of a garden. You know, remember that we thought of our soul as a garden. So, as just an, any garden, in a flower garden, you need to plant the trees, you need to grow them, you need to water them. If you want to see fruit, and if you do the, don't do this constantly, you won't see anything. The same thing in the spiritual life. You have to have all these things and keep them constantly. Be persevering with them so that you see the fruit of it. We're having now, uh, I'm recording this as we are in the spring in Denver, and here in the garden I was just looking at the flowers and they are extremely beautiful. Maybe I'll bring you a picture in one of the, uh, in the edition, we'll see. Now, uh, one might ask, well, Father, what author are you following here? I am basing myself, yes, on Tancri. I'm also basing myself on St. Alfonso's Ligori. But I am not basing myself verbatim, I hope that's how you say it, from them. Uh, what I am sharing with you here is more of a personal compilation based on my readings and also based on experience. I think that we have some good shows out there that uh, give us a summary of the books, but I think we actually need to take the stuff from the books 
and synthesize it and apply it uh, to our daily lives, especially nowadays. You know, our situation is very much very different from what those authors had to face. So what you're going to have here is sort of a personal uh, compilation, is sort of a more personal approach. Still, I am basing on them and myself on them, and I did read those books to try to get all the information that we're sharing here with you. Before we continue, we do have to ask one question. Why do I want a better spiritual life? You might think, well, that's kind of, a, I mean, we all know that we want it. No, no, we really want to ask this. I mean, why do I seriously want to strive to perfect my spiritual life? Now, to answer this question, we only have this life to grow in grace. Remember that what you get in heaven, the reward that, that you will have in heaven, is going to be a direct result of what you have done on this earth. Now I ask you, when, when we're asking ourselves, is it really worth it to do all this effort for the spiritual life? I'll ask you, what if through all these efforts you were able to get to know our Blessed Mother and our Blessed Lord much better? What if through these practices you were able to receive graces, like having, for example, an inner knowledge of the Passion, or graces as having a deeper relationship with the Virgin Mary, or even mystical graces? We should not go into the spiritual life with the purpose of receiving these, but certainly, what if all that it takes is me to strive a little bit harder and I would be experiencing all these beautiful things that would make me see my religion in a totally different light. Consider one thing, that your intimacy, your love with the Most Holy Trinity, with the Virgin Mary, with our Lord, with the saints in heaven, the amount of friendship that you have with them is going to be correspondent to that knowledge and relationship that you have here on this earth. And the thing is, if you missed out, if here on this earth you didn't build that relationship, if you never got to know them better, that's something that you're not going to be able to repair in heaven. Imagine, for example, that before you would have been only 10% close to the Virgin Mary, or 10% close to our Lord in heaven. What if by the practice of this spiritual life, you would get 50% closer to our Lord, or 50% closer to our Blessed Mother. That would mean that you would have that amount, so to speak, for all eternity. Now, before someone starts arguing about uh, how untheological my language here is, I know that's not something we can measure, but you know what I'm saying. What I mean to say is that you want to get as close a relationship, a friendship, a love as you can here on this earth so that you can enjoy that in heaven as well. Now, before we go into the things that we need to practice, let's go to the quote of the saint from today. And our quote from today is going to be from St. Athanasius, and he says, One cannot possibly understand the teaching of the saints unless one has a pure mind and is trying to imitate their life. Now, St. Athanasius, if you remember, had a very mortified life. He was exiled 
very, very frequently from his sea. He was fighting against the Aryan heresy. And I'm sure he knew, he, he experienced this, that as, as he suffered, as he, as he had to suffer these exiles, all these persecutions, he came to understand much better the teaching of the saints, the teachings of our Lord, the examples, the virtue of the saints of our Lord. And kind of the same thing happens with all these practices that we are going to speak of. If you really persevere in these practices, if you really put them uh, into consideration and you really have them in your life, you will start to be much more acquainted with the saints. You will start to understand them better. I'll give you an example, and I've talked about this before. Imagine that you are a soccer fan or a football fan, and you might think you understand the sport because you see it on TV. Well, that makes no sense. The only way you will really come to understand the players and what they go through and, you know, what their efforts entail uh, will be if you go down there and you play football with them. Now, you might not be able to do that, but if you go out on the street or if you go out to the park and you play football and you try to play harder and harder, you will come to appreciate better the effort that they made. A very worldly example, but it applies in our case. You know, once you start practicing the same things that the saints practice, you will come to understand them better. That was a quote of, of the saint for today, and now we go into the spiritual practices themselves. And the first one is going to be the duties of state. We mentioned this in our last episode as, um, as part of the dispositions, but I put it here and I put it first also as a practice, as something that we have to practice in a spiritual life. Now I want to tell you why. I'm not going to repeat all the stuff that I said in the last episode, but this is what we need to consider. The whole purpose of this is to let God model our souls for sanctity. Now, God is not going to come down from heaven and with his bare hands, if he had any, if he was in pure spirit. He's not going to come and mold you and make a saint out of you, just like that. God being a pure spirit, what he uses is the people around you, the angels, the devils, even when they tempt you. He uses all these things around you to mold you into that saint that you need to be. Now, this molding, as I say, take place, takes place with your duties with your daily chores, with your daily obligations. Those are the things where God uses, that God uses to make you into whom he wants you to be. The acquiring of virtue is growth, is betterment that happens in your soul. What that means is that your soul will become better as it practices good acts and these good acts repeated come to form a habit they come to form what we call a virtue something that you already own and possess that you're able to practice at will easily and frequently to give you an example of this is like going to the gym you know if if you go to the gym you will acquire the habit of strength here in this muscle or in that muscle or on your knee or well, not your knees maybe but your whatever muscles there might be in your body. And in the same way that this only happens through repetition, in your soul you will only acquire the habits of vir the virtues through repetition of acts. And this repetition of acts happen precisely in your duties of state. 
when you're forced every morning to go and take care of your child, when you're forced every morning to get up from bed and start working in your house, when you're forced every morning to drive to work, even if you despise perhaps what your duties are in there, all those repetition of acts force you to practice virtue. And that's why the first thing that I put in the practices that are necessary for your spiritual life is a conscientious, truly responsible fulfillment of the duties of state of your life. Never give them up. There will be times where you might say, I have done enough. I'm not, I don't want to continue these things. At the moment when you say that, it's basically like you're saying, I'm not going to the gym anymore. What's going to happen? You're going to lose your health. You're going to lose your spiritual health. Not only that, you're going to lose your spiritual strength. And that is going to show in all the other practices of your spiritual life. So the first thing that we need to do in the spiritual life, duties of state. Let's go to the second one. The second practice that we need in our spiritual life is what we would say, call, we'll call it spiritual reading, conferences, and I'll summarize it with these words. Fill your mind with good, wholesome, and holy things. This practice goes with the disposition that we mentioned called the spirit of recollection. What we mean to say is this. If you want to become closer to God, it is important that your mind is filled with things that are fitting for that. I'll give you an example. You know, I like to make examples a lot. I'm not sure if any of them are good, but you know, still, I try. If you're making wine, you need to watch not only the making of the wine. If you're really into it, if you really want to do a good quality product, you need to watch the land where the vine is being planted. You need to see the water that you're using to grow it. You need to watch even the plants that are nearby. And I suppose that also the plants that are used to pollinize it. You need to watch the kind of wood that you use to process the grape, you know, where you're storing the wine. The kind of wood that you need, that you use to grind the grape, all the tools that you use there. You need to watch all these things because the wine is going to absorb the flavor of all these things. And that's why you have very expensive wine because it takes such a huge process, all these careful considerations. The same thing happens with your mind and your spirit. In the exact same way, maybe not the exact same way, but in a similar way, your mind will absorb the flavor of all those things that you're putting into it. The music that you listen to, the TV or movies or videos that you watch, the social media that you get into, the conversations that you have with friends, with relatives, the entertainments that you do, all of these things are things that you're bringing into your mind and you are going to absorb the flavor of them. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to sanctify yourself, come closer to God. But at the same time, you fill your mind with nonsense, with things that are worldly, that have a bad message, that taste like world. You are like a person that is in a race and is running five steps forward and then runs five steps backward and then ten steps forward and then another five steps backward. You're never going to get there. What you need then is to fill your mind with good things and be really selective. 
And this is where we have the need of having good spiritual reading, of listening to good material, of watching good things, of filling your head with helpful things. Now, I want to bring this down to an actual more personal level because I know that this can be hard, especially now in our world. And you might say, well, Father, that's kind of nearly impossible. I'll go back to the thing that I've been saying and I will keep repeating. This is a matter of counsel. Okay, there are things that we, out of a commandment, we have to give up. You know, things that are sinful, we have to give up. It is a matter of counsel to give away things that are useful, things that are not profitable spiritually. So it's not like you're forced to do it. What I'm telling you here is if you want the perfect stuff, if you want to get better stuff, then you need to be much more selective. It seems hard, but if you really strive to get it done in the first couple of months, you will see how easy it is to stay away from all these things. At times, there might be moments of tepidity where you will go back to the world and back to listening to these things and watching these things. But what's going to happen is that you'll do that and then you'll realize, I lost the flavor. I lost the flavor of that good wine that I have. Now I'm meeting this McDonald's bologna again. And so you'll say, I don't want that. I want to go back to the good stuff. So if you really strive for the first couple of months to really clear yourself of all these things, you will see the benefit. I do want to mention one last thing, and this is important. Sometimes people might exaggerate and may, they might say, well, uh, yes, you have to give away all these things. You can never have fun anymore. You must be a miserable person. Put a black cloth on your head and always walk looking at the floor and or at the ground. And if someone talks to you, you got to look back with tears in your eyes and say, I'm crying for my sins. No, that's not the deal. What we're saying here is take away things that are useless and evil and and that tastes like world but there are many good things out there that you can do that in no way hinder your spiritual life say for example yes i won't watch any more tv and yes i won't listen to any more of the radio or these things or that thing well i can still listen to very good music that there is uh that have a very spiritual tone to it or that in no way remind me of anything of the world that's still not the most perfect thing but you can also, you know, go out in nature and enjoy nature and see the beauty of creation. And all of these things are perfectly relaxing, entertaining, and has nothing against the spiritual life. You might go out and play sports with your family. You might go out and have some other entertainments, hunting, fishing, who knows what. All of these things that are in no way against the spiritual life. So you'll notice that actually the best things, the ones that are most healthy for you, more relaxing actually, those are the things that are not at odds with the spiritual progress of our soul. And so to conclude this point, fill your mind with good things, especially you have to be reading a spiritual book frequently, and I would say even daily. But we will cover this in more detail in future episodes. Hello, and today for our story of the saints, well, you're probably wondering what just happened. The lighting is different. Uh, Father Cepeda's hair grew short really quickly, and he looks kind of different uh, from a few moments ago. What happened was, as you will see in the next video too, that I was recording these episodes three months ago, 
And now, three months later, I realize as we are editing the episodes that we didn't put these sections in there. So we're recording them three months later. So for our story of the saints today, I have uh, the example of St. Therese of Avila. Again, back there, you might say, Father, we have too many stories of St. Therese of Avila. I'm sorry, I know her, her life very well. So St. Therese of Avila, even though she was a contemplative nun, she had to travel a lot. She had to engage in all kinds of politics and negotiations with bishops and negotiations with priests and other orders. She had to try to buy houses, fix the houses. You know, sometimes she would tell in, in the story of her foundations that sometimes she would uh, basically sneak into the city halfway through the night as silently as possible so that no one knew she was there. Then she would fix the whole convent, get it all ready for the inauguration, because once you said the first mass, that was the inauguration of the convent. And then out of the sudden, all, all of a sudden, people would just hear the bells and this house suddenly was a convent and they had a mass. And she would do that because once that was done, it was a lot harder to get uh, to for someone else to impede the foundation or to stop it. But what I want to emphasize today in the story is that, you know, she had to travel through, you know, inns of ill repute. She had to go with carts crossing rivers, going through towns, you know, meeting all kinds of people, uh, obviously on the road and not on the road, as you can imagine now, but on the road uh, in a much less comfortable way than, than we do now. And the amazing thing about all this is that even through all that... Uh, uh, you know, hectic life, she would still keep her schedule. And uh, the, the, the merchants, you know, the people that traveled with her, sometimes helping her, they would be surprised about that, that she had a little statue of St. Joseph sometimes, and other times a statue of the baby Jesus. And they would stop at the time of the canonical hours, the time to pray, and they would get off the carriage. Sometimes they would do it inside the carriage and pray their little office in there with all the sisters at their proper times. In the morning prayers, they would do the nar prayers, they would do the noon prayers. They were very, very point in schedule, uh, or rather very exact with their schedule. Uh, they would even read, try to read if they had any book available. So the point for us to learn is that, you know, if this saint with all her struggles and all the stuff that she had to do and in such an uncomfortable time, manage to keep some sort of a schedule. Much more can we try to do, keep a basic schedule of all these things that we are discussing in this chapter, or at least of the most of the basic ones, the ones that we are uh, for sure able to do. That was our story of the saints for today. And now we will go back three months before to the rest of the episode. The next thing that we're going to need is mental prayer. Mental prayer. I need to have some horror music for this part because this is a part that most people are terrified of. And however, it is one of the most essential points to cover. This is absolutely necessary, absolutely necessary. St. Alphonsus Ligori tells us, all the saints really tell us. Uh, this is necessary for anyone who wants to take his faith more seriously. And notice that, you know, I was thinking of the names that I was going to give to each, each section and I didn't want to call this meditation because meditation can take or rather meditation is just one form of mental prayer. Mental prayer can take many forms uh, and even uh, it's something is one of those things that we have in the spiritual life 
where we can't really get a name that fully explains everything that is in there. You know, it's like the best name that we can come up with, but there should be something much more to it. You know, we could call it, for example, also conscientious prayer, because that's really what it means. It means to pray conscientiously, focused, you know, really putting your heart and your mind into it. Whether if you're using common words or whether if you're using the formulas that we have in a missile, whether if you're doing meditation or whether if you are just doing contemplation, just thinking silently of a mystery of our Lord, whether you might receive, be receiving uh, mystical grace, all of those things would form part of what I'm trying to say here. And I would call it maybe scheduled prayer or mental prayer or conscientious prayer, whatever you want to call it, we'll call it mental prayer just to uh, keep to the terms that are used in the books. On this particular point, a lot of help is needed. Not so much to do it, but rather to persevere and understand how important it is. There is, as all, with all the other points, there is a whole world of things that need to be said about this, and we could have a whole show based on that. And we will cover the topic as much as we can continuing this show. But right now, touching br briefly on this, the things that we need to say is, without mental prayer, it is very difficult to achieve any serious understanding of our faith. In fact, any serious changes in our, in our lives. It is very difficult ordinarily. Mental prayer, as we will mention, as we will cover, is basically what you need to do to really come to fully grasp the meaning of it all and to really bring it to your will. To really bring yourself to action, you need to fill your mind with those things, To uh, what we were discussing with the spiritual reading. So mental prayer is absolutely necessary, and as I said, what's more important about it is to persevere doing it, no matter how hard it is. This is one of the main points where you need a spiritual director because you need someone else to keep track on you, to be ashamed, uh, uh, you know, in front of uh, whom. You need someone else in front of whom you might be ashamed of saying, well, I haven't been uh, faithful with this or that. And don't feel bad about it because it's something very common. I'm sure every priest, every religious, maybe not everyone, but at least I can tell you I can relate there are times where one might find it hard to go and do one's mental prayer. But that's a good thing about it. It's something that you have someone there to help you with and to keep you on track. It's something that we need to do always. Spiritual direction. We discussed this uh, also in the previous episode. Now we're going to discuss it as a practice. In the previous episode, I did talk about how important it is to have a spirit of obedience. Now, uh, I want to show you here why is this practically important? If you are left to yourself, it will be very easy to slack off, to lose interest. Sanctity is, as any other big project in life, as any other large endeavor in life, is something that has requires great efforts. As any other big thing that anyone could do in life, it has incredibly great moments of climax. You know, it has moment, moments where you have this huge impulse, this great momentum, very exciting days. But in between, there is a lot of dry toil, a lot of hard labor, a lot of everyday work. Now, if you don't have someone to keep tabs on you, 
you will hardly remain fervent. Think about it, and this happens, this is something that you have in every in every aspect of life. You know, if someone wants to be the best architect in the world, or if someone wants to be the best runner in the world, they need to do daily chores that are very difficult. And I don't know, or I know of very few people, and I can't even think of any, that have done anything like this alone. They always have someone in the back pushing them. St. Alfonso's Liguori, when he wanted to be a lawyer, he wanted to be the best lawyer possible, his father would tie him up to his desk until he finished his work. And, you know, as barbaric as that might seem to us now, he thanked his father because he said that forced me to work and that made me into the person that I am now. And when you think of St. Alfonso's Liguori and the amount, the amazing amount of books that he wrote while preaching missions, while being a superior, while being a bishop, tells you, man, this guy had a spirit of work, of labor. We need that. We need someone to be pushing us. We need someone to keep, be, keeping track, track, be keeping track on us. And that is the spiritual director. There's a couple things that should be mentioned. The first one is, one should not feel oppressed by one's spiritual director. Some, some people might have that, that uh, effect on us. And sometimes maybe that's what God wants. Maybe that's what we need. But we should always feel at freedom, at ease, to go with the spiritual director that we need, to change spiritual directors if need be. We will mention all these things. It's very important to have a certain spirit of spiritual freedom, of, of spiritual, I would call it rather childhood and confidence and trust in our Lord, in God, that he, is going, he doesn't want us to do crazy things. He doesn't want us to be oppressed. And so we will always find that the proper way to do this without suffering a great amount of stress or oppression from our spiritual direction. Now, I'll mention this too. Don't require this of your local priest in the mission or in this small church in such a way that it takes too much of his time. Uh, the way you will do it, as we will mention as well, you need to make a special appointment for that, not more than once a month, really, and keep it to very specific spiritual matters. This is not a psychological appointment. This is not so that you go with your priest and you get one hour of extra time in the confessional to share all your problems and difficulties. That's not the point here. What we're trying to do is profit in our spiritual life. You got to keep it kind of like almost in a business mind saying this is business. Let's go down to business and then let's leave all the other stuff for later. And especially if your priest is very busy, if he's on a mission, if he's not there all the time. You want to keep it, be as brief as possible, if he agrees to do it. Because not every priest will have the time or, or the resources to be a spiritual director. But if you have it available, it is very, very important to have it. We will cover this more in depth in, the, in its proper episode, but let's go now to our next point, which is mortification. Now, mortification here is one of the points, perhaps, that is more foreign to us here in our culture, in our Western culture. And I'm sure if some people watch this video on YouTube, they're going to be like, what? I, I can't believe these people are saying that they're medieval people. Um, when? I, I wish. No, we need to have some penance. We need to have some mortification of the body. In your spiritual life, you're seeking to unite yourself to Jesus crucified. And that means that there needs to be some assimilation. You actually have to look like him. You have to become close to him. 
even in our human life. You cannot have a relation with someone if you don't relate in anything. Now really, the on, almost the only things where we can relate to our Lord is in obedience, the practice of virtue, and suffering. And love, obviously, but love is kind of in all those three things. It has to be in all those three things. So we need to suffer at least a little bit. You know, the saints say it's shameful to think of our head that is crowned with thorns, that means our Lord Jesus Christ, and the members being, being you know, in pleasures and delights. That would just be monstrous. And the same thing happens here. I don't know why or how, but mortification in your body, if you really do some kind of penance, you will see immediately a spiritual boost, like a spiritual speed and strength that is going to come out of, of something. And I would call it simply the power of the cross. A lot of times our prayer is not as intense as it could be because we're lacking on this. Our Lord gives grace and, and he comes close to those who are suffering, to those who wish to embrace the cross. And that's why a lot of times in our prayer, that lack of strength, that lack of fervor, that lack of commitment to it is because we don't have enough cross in our lives. And you'll notice, and if you know some people that are in that state, you will see that those who suffer greatly in their lives, those who have very great difficulties, they pray like that. They can go down to their knees and start praying. And they might say, well, I get distracted and I'm suffering and all this stuff, but our Lord is close right there. And they would realize it if they came to a point where they don't have those sufferings anymore, they would see how they wouldn't feel that closeness, that connection to our Lord. It is important to do some physical penance. And don't expect the world to understand this. Don't expect comments on YouTube to make sense of it. That's not going to happen. This is something that is between us and God. And only us who are in the path of the cross, only us who are following, truly following Jesus Christ, will understand it. No one else needs to understand it. I'll say one thing, though. As with anything else, it is important to be balanced about it. It is important to always do it with the advice of a confessor. Penance is supposed to create moderation in you, not harm. And so you should not take undergo any penances unless your confessor, and it has to be a prudent confessor, someone with experience, someone that you know that gives good advice. And I know that this is controversial to say, but we will cover that also. If you know that this is a person that you get good advice from, with his authorization, you go and do penance, not without. Hello, and today for our quote from Scripture, we're going to read from St. Luke, uh, excuse me, St. Matthew, the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 19, and this is the verse 29. And everyone that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall possess life everlasting. Again, everyone that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall possess life everlasting. 
This quote, if we think about what we're discussing in this episode, is actually quite fitting because some of the things that we have discussed in the previous one and in this episode is that we do need to renounce some things in order to have a, a, a good spiritual life, in order to have a, a deep spiritual life. You, we might need to renounce, you know, things that we enjoy. Uh, I don't think everyone obviously is called to renounce their house, their wife, their position, not at least in practice, but maybe you renounce, you have to renounce some disordinate affection or, or attachment that you might have to those things, perhaps especially to material things. Uh, usually one's wife or husband or family is more of an occasion to practice charity than anything else. So that is not something that we are required to leave. But we are required to abandon those attachments, those inordinate attachments, where we care about something a little bit too much, where it becomes a hindrance, perhaps, to our spiritual progress. But the point that I want to emphasize on this quote is what our Lord is promising. He's promising a hundredfold, a hundredfold. And that goes in line with what we have been saying here, that it is really worth it. When you put all these things in practice, when you actually do sacrifice some of your things for the spiritual life, not even I'm not even talking about heaven. Here on this earth is worth it. The peace that you get here on this earth is worth it. The uh, happiness that you receive in being far away from sin is worth it. The fact that you practice virtue and that makes it a lot easier to deal with many, many problems in your daily life it's certainly worth it. And obviously, the fact that you're growing in grace in the love of God, our Blessed Mother and the saints, is certainly worth it. So, for those moments where, you know, the spiritual life might seem like, uh, it might seem to you like the goal is too far, like perhaps heaven seems still too far away, remember these words of our Lord. Everyone that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my say, name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall possess, shall possess life everlasting. That is our quote from Scripture for today, and we're going to go back to our episode. Let's go to our next point, and we're pretty close to being done. This is super important, and our next point is going to be the examination of conscience. That means to say every day, every morning to come and do the bills with your soul, with your spiritual life. This is so important that St. Ignatius would make of this the most important of all. He'd say this cannot be missing in your day. You must never let a day go by without your examination of conscience. We all know what that is, but for those who might not know, that the examination of conscience means simply when you sit down and you keep track on the sins that you might have committed, you also keep track on your good resolutions and on the vices and defects that you have. And this is something that you do every day. St. Ignatius would say that this is important not because this is the main source of grace, not because this is where you get the most grace, but because this is something that ensures that you will persevere. This is something that ensures that you are progressing. In your business, the most important thing is not keeping the bills. You know, your accountant is not the most important guy in the company. He's not the one making the money, but he's fundamental. And you cannot be missing that. 
because he's the one that is keeping, he's your eyes in the business, right? He's the one that is telling you whether you're going one way or another. The same thing happens with the examination of conscience. It might not be the best in priority because you get the most graces from it, but it is fundamental that it never misses, that is never missing because that is your eyes in your spiritual life. St. Ignatius uh, would recommend us to have it written, to actually keep it in writing. But if you do that, do it discreetly. Do it in such a way that your sins, your secrets, your defect, defects, things that are private, cannot be understood by anyone else. If someone comes and reads it, they have no idea what you're talking about in there. And finally, uh, last but not least, and truly we can say that with this point, we come to our devotion to the Virgin Mary that is also fundamental in our spiritual life. This is uh, our last point that we will mention, but it's something that is as necessary, you could say, as salt in your food or as a heater in your house or as having oil in your car. This reminds me of a story, digression again into one of those examples. Uh, one time I bought a car. This was my second car, I think. And the first car, I only had it for a couple months. The second car, I had it for two years. And I don't mean to shame my parents, but uh, no one ever told me that there was such a thing as an oil change. I had the car for two years and I sold it to this guy. And I was very honest. I mean, I, I, I said to him, listen, I don't know anything about cars. I took it to the agency and to the, you know, to the shop in the agency and, and they said uh, they checked it and it's fine. And I, that's true. They checked it and they said it was fine. And so, I mean, you go and check it. The guy said, no, I trust you. And I'm like, okay. He bought the car and within, I don't know, two weeks, I was getting phone calls from him asking for uh, some money. So uh, just like we need oil changes in our car and we need to have oil, in our devotion, in our spiritual life, we need to have our Blessed Mother. She is the one that makes sure that things run smoothly. Devotion to our Blessed Mother is something that God has established. God wants it to be that way. He's determined to give us graces through those channels. Um, this is not separately from our Lord. It's like the example that is always given, and we will talk about that. But it's like our Lord is a fountain of water, yes. And you could go and drink from the fountain, yes, but you know that you will get a lot more water if you go down the, the canal. There might be a canal where all the water pours down through that. And, I mean, yes, you could come and drink, but from the canal you're going to get tons and tons of water just because it's designed to go that way. The same thing happens here with grace. Yes, you could go and get them straight from our Lord. You can go and get them from praying to the Most Holy Trinity. But God has established this canal where you can just get them all in a big number. You can all get it all almost in a bundle, you could say, through the devotion to our Blessed Mother. We will wait for the episode to discuss that more in depth. But I will just say right now that devotion to our Blessed Mother can be summarized in its more basic aspects, like the things that are more necessary, in praying the rosary, and using the brown scapular. Those are musts, like everyone has to practice it. The rosary and the brown scapular is the very basic of devotion to our Blessed Mother, but it would suffice. That would suffice if one, is, if one does those things faithfully. 
And now that covers all the points of our spiritual life. Those are the basic things that we need to practice. I might be missing one here or there, uh, but I really think that whoever were to practice all these things would see a quick, swift profit in the spiritual life and a big change in, in the practice of religion in general. Now, these are the main practices. As, as, as I said, there has to be a certain order. There has to be a certain schedule so that we can practice them all uh, every day if possible. But I would say that, you know, if one day or another you have to miss one of these through no fault of your own, there will be really no, no damage done there as long as you go back to them as soon as you are able to. Many of these might seem obvious to some people, but as, as you hopefully see, will see, it's not so much that you don't know about them, but rather that we need to use these things better. We know about these things, but what we need to learn is how to use them better, how to use them well. It's a tool that you need to learn how to use. And now that we know what we are, uh, now that we know all these things that we need to practice, in the future episodes, we're going to cover some of them, if not all of them, in detail. We're going to go actually in depth and tell you how do you practice this to get as much profit as you can as you can from it. Now, before we go, let us review all of them. Let us review that list again so that you know you can see like in a blink of an eye or a bird's view. I don't know what you say uh, so that you can see it all easily. We will see what are all these practices. First is the duties of state. The second one is spiritual readings and conferences or sermons, whatever you want to call it. The third one is going to be receiving the sacraments, confession, communion, holy mass, and whatever other sacrament might seem fitting. The fourth one will be mental prayer. The fifth one is going to be spiritual direction. The sixth, mortification, meaning penance. The seventh, examination of conscience. And the eighth, devotion to the Virgin Mary. These are the eighth practices that we need to have on a daily basis, or pretty much as much as we can on a, on a daily basis, if we want to be healthy, if we want to profit in our spiritual life, if we want to become saints. And so that would be all for the episode, maybe two episodes from today, and we will see you in the future as we cover each one of these separately. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, send us your questions, send us your comments. This is The Spiritual Life, and you're listening to Father Carlos Cepeda in The Catholic Wire. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Catholic Wire. If you have found this show helpful, please say a prayer for all our collaborators. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels and share with your friends. For questions and comments, you may contact us at the Catholic Wire. Dot org.